0: Well, hey, everybody, and a very big welcome to you from wherever you are in the world. We are really excited that you decided to join us here during your midweek activities to share in the Word, grow a little, and be encouraged by being with people from wherever they are in the world. For those of you who are joining us here and for those of you who are joining us from wherever you are, a very big welcome. We're really excited that you're here. We're in the middle of a series entitled To Be Trusted. And as you know, we've been unpacking what it means to be able to trust God's Word, and we've understood that God's Word is Jesus in our lives. Why we can trust the impact that Jesus has on our lives. And as we've looked at that impact, we've understood that because Jesus was the Word, we can trust the Word because Jesus accomplished everything that his Father set out to be. We had a look and said, well, if I've been made in the Father's image, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Therefore, what Jesus did was a walking proof of what God's Word and promise intends to achieve in your life. Before we jump into the final part of this series, let's all pray together from around the world and join together as we get ready for God to ready us and prepare our hearts and minds to receive His Word. Father, we thank You that You are an amazing God, that You speak Word and it never returns void. Father, thank You for educating us and lifting us up and sharing with us how we can make sure that your word is always fulfilled in our lives. Thank you for the promise after promise you have given us in Scripture. We believe them, we receive them, and just like Jesus, we are willing to walk them out. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I was growing up, I was the son of the local banker. My father was the bank manager of of a national chain of banks, in our local area in South Africa. And even from a young age, I would walk into the bank and and people would know that that's Mr. Smee's son. That is uh, Mr. Smee, the banker's son. And even at the age of eight, when I'd bring my my little allowance into the bank to be banked into my little book uh, in the bank at that time, I didn't have a plastic card back then. I'm showing my age a little bit. But we had a little bank book and I'd bring my little allowance in and my savings would go in. I'd get special treatment in the local bank because of the fact that I was Mr. Smee, the banker's son. And as I grew up a little bit older, I, I started my first little car washing business and started working at a local restaurant entertaining children while their parents ate. And, and, I, and I began earning a little bit more money. And, and when I used to bring my earnings into the bank, the, the people at the, at the bank used to say, oh, that's Mr. Smee's son. That's the banker's son. He must be good with money because of his father's reputation. I didn't deserve that reputation of being good with money. I got it because my father was a banker. My father was good with the town's money. And as a result, I had a reputation fundamentally which I didn't deserve. Your reputation is sometimes something that you don't deserve, good or bad. Your reputation can be spoken of over you and because of circumstance and because of your father or your mother or a a list of issues that have happened in your life, you may have a negative reputation and one that you don't really deserve because that's not who you are, it's who people presume you are. You may have a, a good reputation because of what's happened in your life or because your father or your mother has made a name for themselves, that name automatically becomes your name and becomes your reputation. And as a result, we often have a reputation that we don't necessarily deserve. As I grew older with this, with this reputation of being good with money, I eventually got to a place where um, I, I, was, I was now studying accounting at school. And every single time um, my school teacher would ask a question that nobody else would know the answer to, he would look to me because I was the banker's son and surely I must know that assets equals owners' equity less liability and that a balance sheet should balance because it's called the balance sheet. I never got that right in in my accounting studies. I, I could never understand why and how a balance sheet could balance because I just didn't get all of the accounting practices and principles that my father knew at the back of his hand and it was assumed that I should know but I never got it right. And as a result, I didn't do too well in accounting. And then when I I went up and started growing into owning more businesses and and, and buying and selling businesses, people would often say that the reason I could wheel and deal and and do business was because my father was a banker. And the crazy thing is, is I ended up working for a bank in South Africa. And there I was living out the reputation of my father and, and living out a name that I had kind of cobbled together for myself, but it leveraged a reputation that my father had given me. I'm sure you can understand where I'm going with this. When we understand that if our father's reputation can sometimes be given to us even when we don't deserve it, well, then the heavenly father has given us a reputation sometimes even when we don't deserve it. You see, the father has given us his reputation his name, and his word of seal around that reputation. And as a result, we are living in the benefit of walking out the Father's reputation. You see, I had that kind of privilege afforded to me in the bank. I had that kind of privilege afforded to me by other people because of my father's reputation. And today I wanted to unpack what kind of privileges you walk out in your life if you lean into the reputation of your divine father. And even though I'm not perfect at accounting, even though I don't know quite as much about international and foreign trade and foreign exchange and all of those things that my father needed to know about in his work, in his line of work. Even though I haven't got all of those things right, I, I don't budget very well in my home finances. I, I, I'm not really good at spending money. If you want to see money being spent, you send Myself with my wife to the stores, and we'll spend up a storm because we, we get creative around the, the house and what the kids need, and, and before we know it, we've spent a whole lot of money that we shouldn't have spent. And, and so even though I'm not really good at all of this money thing, and I'm not really good at, at doing budgets and finances and all that kind of thing, I have the reputation of being really good at it because my father was, a, say it with me, my father was a banker. You see, I have a reputation of grace and peace, and divine love, and being able to heal. And even though sometimes I don't get those things right, even though I'm still learning and walking out divine wisdom, and looking towards always having a sense of divine and godly peace, I want to say to you that even though we're not good at those things, we live under the reputation of the perfect divine Father. And therefore, we walk with the reputation and the privilege of being already raised, and living, and seated at the right hand of the Father. You see, we are always learning and growing in the reputation of the Father, but we live with the privilege of having the reputation in our lives already, because that is what has been spoken over us. Now, the very first time in human psyche, in the human history, that a man questioned his reputation with God was right back in the Garden of Eden. Right back then, Adam and Eve had been walking with the Father. What He had said about them was at the forefront of their mind. They never questioned that they were a beautiful creation. They, they, they never questioned that they were going to fill the earth and subdue it. They never ever questioned that they had a purpose. They never ever questioned that they were good enough to have a relationship with with the father. Adam and Eve knew that God thought that they were really wonderful. They were truly amazing. In fact, when he created his his earth and when he created all of the plants and animals in the earth, God looked at it and said he was pleased. But when he put Adam and Eve on the planet, he said, Oh, now I am well pleased. Now I am truly, truly amazed at my workmanship. You see, Adam and Eve had a reputation of being at the center of God's creation. And they knew that. They never questioned that. They walked with Him in the cool of the evening, and they knew exactly the privilege that they had because of the reputation that they had with the Father. All of the angels looked down and knew that what God had spoken over Adam and Eve would surely come to be. But the very first time that man looked at that and felt, that my reputation didn't match what I felt inside was after they had disappointed the Father. And Adam and Eve hid behind the bush because they felt ashamed of who they were. They felt ashamed of their reputation. For the first time, Adam and Eve looked to themselves to see what their privilege should be. They looked at themselves to see what their name and reputation should be. They looked at how they felt in the flesh And put that as a marker as regards how they should look at themselves and what they should be thinking of themselves. They didn't look to the reputation and the word of the Father to see what they should feel about themselves. No, they looked to themselves. They didn't look to the word and the promise of the Father to know how he felt about them and therefore how they should feel about themselves. They looked at their own word. In fact, Eve was at the center of this own word controversy because when she spoke to Satan, when he was tempting her, she added to God's word and and kind of almost messed up what God had said about her and said about the tree of life and said about her promise of having eternal life. She twisted that a little bit and as a result lost her way in understanding what God really meant. You see, when we twist the promises of God to fit in with our current situation, we lose traction on our divine reputation. When we twist the promises of God to kind of make ourselves feel better, we're looking unto ourselves to come up with the reputation that we have, and we lose sight of the divine reputation that God has given us. You see, my father was a banker, and even though I wasn't perfect at all things, if I constantly relied on his reputation, I got privileges that I didn't deserve. Getting privileges that we don't deserve from the Heavenly Father, well, that's called grace. And when we walk in the reputation of the Father, we walk with the privileges afforded us, even though we sometimes don't deserve them. Guilt, condemnation, and shame will flood your world, if you step away from the word and promises that the Father says about you. And the word and promises that the Father says about you is your reputation. We can make the word and promises of the Father null and void in our lives if we rather refer to our own promises, our own words, and our own description of ourselves. Worse yet, we can make His promises over our lives even more null and void, and we discussed this in week two, but we, we can make them even more null and void in our lives if, if we constantly listen to what the world says we are, what the world defines as our reputation. We can completely and utterly nullify every promise, every reputational promise that the Lord has given us in Scripture by simply listening to ourselves or listening to what the world Says about us. And then we get to a place that Adam and Eve got to when they decided to listen to themselves guilt, condemnation, and shame. And we think now that we can't be called a Christian. We can't be called loved by God because we're not good enough. Well, I want to look at you today square in the eyes as you listen to this from wherever you are in the world. And I want to tell you that you can't ruin God's reputation, you can't defame the name of God. Because you are imperfect or fallen short. God's name is far superior to that. His name will always be justified. Will it be accused? Yes. Will people throw stones at you because they think you're not good enough to be loved by God? Yes, they will. But you will never ruin the reputation of God. You will never remove the power of His name. We will never remove the ability to say things that are not as though they were in the name of Jesus Because God has placed His name way above, far above any other name, any other accusation, and any other reputation. And that far superior name that He carries is His Word. It is Jesus Christ. And He wants you to have that reputation. He wants you to have that name. And He wants you to have that promise. Have a look for a moment at Luke chapter 3, and we're going to discuss this reputation that Jesus created, this reputation that Jesus built up, and then simply handed to you and said, now you have the same reputation. In fact, in the very last prayer that he shared with his disciples, he said, Father, because I am in you, you are the banker, I have that reputation. And now that you have sent me unto these, I pray that they are in me that they have the reputation that I have. You see, Jesus was the go-between. He was the one who made sure that we could leverage the reputation, the name, the word of the Father in our lives. He made sure that we could declare things in His name and so that the Father would know us and want to have relationship with us. Jesus' name is the name that we call on to make sure that people know to whom we belong. When I used to walk around town and people used to say, that's Mr. Smee's son. Well, I leveraged the name of my father to make sure that everybody knew who I was. When I walked into the bank, I would jump the queue. When I walked into the bank, somebody would come out and greet me. I felt like red carpet treatment when I walked into the bank leveraging the name. And you see this, we do the same today. If we leverage the name of Jesus, we have access to the privilege of the father. If we leverage the name of Jesus, we can walk in the reputation of the Father. So one day in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is who you are, the voice from heaven said, This is your reputation, Jesus. This is the reputation that you're going to have. You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Jesus Christ had given up all the privileges of heaven and had stepped into quite a sticky situation. He had stepped into the sin and mire of the earth. He had given up his privilege and he now found himself in difficult circumstance. And he goes ahead and he presents himself for baptism. That blows my mind away. Here was a divine being, no, not just any divine being, God himself in physical form coming to John the Baptist and saying, baptize me. I want to let everybody know to whom I belong. I want to let everybody know that my father is, say it with me, the banker. I want to let everybody know that my father is the supreme being and I walk in his name. And he came to that moment of baptism just like you and I perhaps have come to that moment of baptism too. And if you haven't, please join the chat room right now and let somebody know about the fact that you'd like to be baptized. You'd like to join yourself to the name and the reputation of the Father through Jesus. And if that is you, please chat to one of the chat hosts in the chat room. We'd love to hear you and facilitate your baptism from wherever you are in the world. Jesus comes to... Jordan River, and he says to John the Baptist, I want to make sure that everybody knows whose reputation I carry. John the Baptist could have freaked out and said, in fact, he probably did, freaked out and said, you know what, Jesus, I don't want to baptize you. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You should baptize yourself. You should do this. You don't need this. But Jesus wanted everybody to know what he was attached to. He wanted everybody to know that he trusted completely in the reputation of the Father in his life. And he wasn't disappointed. He came out of that moment and there a dove descended on him. The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove and he heard what his reputation was going to be. His reputation was going to be what? A dearly loved son that brings the Father great joy. Now, if we are to have the reputation of Jesus, if we are to walk as the banker's son, if we are to walk with the same promise and the same reputation of Jesus, well, then I could read that scripture, Craig, you are my dearly beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and you bring me great joy. Why don't you take a moment and just read that scripture with your name, There. You carry the reputation of the Son. So why don't you just have a look at that scripture and know that whoever you are, you are dearly loved and you bring the Father great joy. What a wonderful sense of knowing who you belong to and what reputation you walk. You are not. plumber. You are not the builder. You are not the banker. You are not the accountant. You are not the stay-at-home mom. You are not the teacher. You are not the preschool teacher. No, that's your function in this world. No, your reputation is divine. You are dearly loved and you bring great joy to the Father. You haven't disappointed Him because all the disappointment was heaped on Jesus to carry. You haven't sinned Him away out of your life. No, because Jesus took care of your sin. You haven't got an ailment that drives you away from the Father. You're not being punished by the Father. You're not being ostracized by the Father. You're not being judged by the Father. No, you're being clothed in a reputation by the Father that says you are loved and you bring me great joy. That wasn't just Jesus' reputation. That was the reputation that Jesus walked out so that you could have. He walked out his days as the Son of God. And he walked out his days, bringing the Father great joy, doing the will of the Father, not my will, but your will, he prayed. And then scripture goes on and says, have a look at this. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 23 to 38, it begins a journey that some people gloss over. It begins understanding and unpacking Jesus' earthly lineage. You see, his reputation was that he was the son of God. And so scripture then begins to show that that word, that reputation of Jesus was true. Because it traces his lineage all the way back to Adam. And I know that if records were kept of my life, I would be able to go onto lineage.com and trace my lineage all the way back to Adam. So, I fall into this lineage of the Son of God. I fall into the same promise, the same reputation, the same family as Jesus. I am adopted. I am part of God's family in the name of Jesus. And therefore, I carry the same reputation that Jesus did. I have the same privilege that Jesus did. I have the same family name that Jesus did. You see, I'm no longer the son of the banker. I am the son of the most high God. I am not Jesus, but I'm part of the family of God. I have been clothed as a prince. I have been a crown set upon my head, and I have been raised and placed at the right hand of the Father because of Jesus. I have all the promise, all the reputation that Jesus had as being the beloved son. In whom God is well pleased. This was powerful in Jesus' life. And he wanted you to get this. Because if you are to walk out the reputation that Jesus was walking out, well, then he wanted you to do it right. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a close look very quickly at the reputation of Jesus and what he said about what his life would do. And then we're gonna take a look at somebody who walked that out to see if it's possible for us to walk out that reputation of Jesus in our lives, that word of God in our lives. Jesus, knowing that he was dearly beloved, Jesus, knowing that he was the son of God, Jesus, knowing that he brought the father great joy, walked away from the Jordan River, stepped up from the Jordan River, and he was led in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, he was led by the Spirit to the wilderness, where, have a look, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He wasn't in the wilderness for 40 days, and then Satan popped along and asked him three questions. No, he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted every single day, day in and day out by Satan, over the same issues. Over and over and over And over again, Satan came at Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound like you know a little bit about 40 days of walking in the drudgery of life and Satan attacking that one or two or three weaknesses in your life over and over and over again? You switch on the television and there's Satan telling you that you're not good enough, that you need to pick yourself up and go on a shopping spree to feel better about yourself. There's Satan reminding you that you're not good enough. The issues in your life that you've had are just so much that you will never ever become more than a conqueror. You will never ever walk out the reputation that God has told you to be, who to be. No, he's just bombarding you 40 days over and over again. And Jesus walks there and he doesn't have a thing to eat. His flesh is weak just like yours and mine. His flesh is telling him, you need to eat. You need to get strong. He starts justifying why he should do things in his mind. And he starts putting them aside. He starts telling himself that no, no, no. The word, the reputation I've been given is stronger than these temptations. The name in which I walk is bigger than the naming of these temptations in my life. The pointed finger at me from Satan is going to be twisted, crooked, and thrown away by the word of God, the reputation of God, the promise of God in my life. And for 40 solid days, Jesus looks at Satan and says, No, that is not my reputation. No, that is not my promise. No, that is not the word in my life. I have a greater word than your temptation. And he looks at Satan squarely. And right there, based on knowing who he was, knowing what his reputation was, he set Satan aside and conquered Satan in the desert that day. Jesus had eaten nothing. In his flesh, he probably couldn't even lift himself up off a rock because his flesh was so weak. But because of the reputation, because of the blessing, because of the promise, because of the word in his life, In the spirit realm, because that's where it mattered for Jesus at that point. In the spirit realm, he could go to war and he could win. In the spirit realm, he wasn't in the greatest circumstance. In the flesh, at least. In the flesh, you might not be in the greatest circumstance. You might be so beat up by this world that you are lying on a rock, struggling to pick yourself up. And every single time you try and pick yourself up, Satan is there saying, oh, you call yourself the promised one. You really need to get something to eat. You really need to fuel that flesh. You really need to go ahead and submit to that temptation. You, you call yourself the promised one? You call yourself beloved? You call yourself someone who's pleasing God and bringing Him great joy? But you can't even lift your head off the pillow. You can't even walk out your front door without feeling bad about yourself. Really? You know what you need? You need a vacation vacation. You need a shopping spree. You need to to get some bread. You need to to, to fuel that flesh. Shame. If you really are that promised and that beloved, surely you deserve a little bit of of peaceful you time. Surely you deserve to to go out with the boys and have a good time and forget the concerns of your family. Surely you deserve a shopping spree. You know what? You You are blessed and beloved. We'll take care of the debt later. Surely you deserve to withhold your means from the Most High God because you deserve that extra little bit of money at the end of the month. Surely you can submit to what the world and Satan is telling you. Surely that's okay. Jesus, standing square with a beautiful reputation of who he is in God, looks at Satan and tells him, no. The word says that I do not need to fuel my flesh. The word says I only need to worship God. And the word says I do not need to question his word in my life. I do not need to question who he is in my life. And so Jesus stands up, and he brings the Father great joy. And he says, you know, even though I was in a bad situation, I could still walk out my divine reputation. Can I say that to you again? Even though you are in a bad, repu- bad situation, you can still walk out God's divine reputation in your life. You can still walk out what God has spoken to you. Your circumstance does not nullify the promise of God in your life. The issues in life do not nullify God's word in your life. The concerns you have do not put aside your divine reputation. No, Satan is trying to get you to not believe those words by throwing you into serious situations. But God's word stands for all time. Jesus restores your reputation every moment of the day. What this world will try and take away, Jesus restores. When when Satan is telling you that you are weak, Jesus is shouting it out from the mountaintops that he knows you, that you are his brother, that you are his sister, that you are a prince of heaven and you belong to the Most High God. He is crying out through the Holy Spirit right now in your heart telling you that you are a beloved son or daughter of the Most High God and you bring him great joy. He wants you to know of your reputation he does not wish for the world to dictate what your reputation is. He reminds us every single day, every single moment through his word, that you are made in the image, in the splitting image of God. Nothing that has God, of God, is not in the, on the inside of you. Nothing that God thinks cannot be thought by you. Nothing that God can do in good character, in a good way, cannot be done by you. You have the image of God on the inside of you. You have the reputation of God on the inside of you. You are the Most High God son or daughter. You see, we were made with this reputation. I am the splitting image of God, the Father, through Jesus. I will never be able to undermine the name of the Father, because His name is the greatest name ever. I cannot bring the Father's name down because He is the Most High. You see, if we have a look at who Jesus was, He walked out of that desert experience knowing that what had been said about Him would always be true. He hadn't done one miracle yet. In fact, if you look at that, after He leaves um, the, the desert in verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, Jesus returned to Galilee. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. You see, now that he had seen that his reputation could defeat Satan, now all of a sudden he knew of its power. Scripture tells us that Jesus gained stature with God and man. So Jesus was learning the power of this reputation as he went. At the beginning of the desert experience, he was led by the Holy Spirit. At the end of the desert experience, he was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And then filled with that power, he walks into the town and he tells them who he is. He tells them. And he quotes Isaiah and he says in verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor had come. Jesus hadn't preached one message to the oppressed. He hadn't raised one person from the dead. He was telling people who he was and what his reputation would be as he walked in the power. He didn't need to see the circumstance change just yet. He just needed to declare that that was who he was, and he believed it with all his heart. In fact, the very next thing that Jesus says to the people in the town, Hasn't done anything yet to prove what he said. He's just said it. He's just believed it. He's done nothing with it. He hasn't shown them signs and wonders yet. You know what he says? He looks at the crowd and in verse 21, he says, The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. You see, you don't fulfill the reputation of God by getting out there and doing wonderful works. No, you fulfill the wonderful reputation that God has given you by believing that reputation in your life. By firmly positioning it in your heart as your go-to, as your everything. By knowing as you know that even though sometimes we don't see the fruit of that reputation all the time in every circumstance. In fact, you might be sitting in a desert right now wondering where is this reputation? I don't feel like I'm bringing God much joy. Well, that doesn't nullify that that's how God feels about you. You see, we often turn to the works to prove our reputation when we should be turning to the Word to see what our reputation genuinely is. Jesus had to do nothing to fulfill the Scripture that defined who He was. He had to do nothing. He knew as He knew. That that scripture was true about him and the promise was already fulfilled. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this day. Whenever you read a promise from God, whenever you read the word of God and it does something in your heart, don't think that you have to jump up and prove that it's done something in your heart. Stand up and say simply, the scripture this day has been fulfilled the word this day has been fulfilled because it has already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ and he has given you the same reputation and the same name. Jesus lived his whole life walking out the name and the reputation of the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you've seen the banker, you've seen Craig's me because he's good with money, you know. And so Jesus walked out this reputation. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Because he's the son of the most high God, you know. And so Jesus begins to show us how we walk out tangibly the promise of God. The very first thing he does is he presents himself so that the reputation that the world has given him is left at the bottom of the Jordan River. Step one is he denies himself. He denies who he is. He puts aside what the world tells him he is. The carpenter's boy, that boy from Galilee, that strange guy that was preaching at the age of 12 that didn't really know what he was talking about. The, the the strange prophet. Where did he come from? From Bethlehem of all places. No, he leaves all of that at the bottom of the Jordan River. He leaves all of that reputation at the bottom of the Jordan River. He didn't accept that reputation. He didn't take that reputation on. He didn't take those words for himself. No, he put that down through baptism so that he could be raised the beloved in whom God was well pleased and brings joy to the Most High God. He was willing to put down the reputation as being being the party goer, as being the guy that could do fancy tricks at parties, or or being the girl that was liked by the most guys, or the, the person that, 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 you know, I've got a gambling problem, or I've got a, a dictum problem, or I've got this pain that I live by, or I've got this depression that governs my life. No, he was willing to put all of those things down, not only at the bottom of the Jordan River, but put them down at the cross, knowing he'd conquered them for you and for me, so that we could raise up through the water, and come back up and say, this is who I am. I am the daughter. I am the son of the Most High God, in whom He is well pleased. And you know what? I bring Him great joy. And in that moment that you say those words, Satan is defeated in the desert because the Word of God trumps His accusations and He is left and put aside so that you and I can step out into the purpose. And on this day, the Scripture was fulfilled. You see, Jesus put down everything that people told him he was. And he came up believing who his father told him he was. That's why you and I get baptized. So that was the first thing Jesus did. He was willing to leave his reputation and come up a new man. He knew that to change the circumstance of the world, he would have to change himself first. Scripture is littered with examples like this. Abram becomes Abraham in the Old Testament. The Old Testament shows how the actual physical name of somebody changed their trajectory of their life. And Jesus was saying, well, it's more than just a a physical name, Abram to Abraham. No, when you change the reputation, when you change the divine name placed upon you, when you change that, the trajectory of your life changes. So if you're willing to put down the old man and come up the new man, the trajectory of your life will change. Your circumstance will change. The desert will be conquered and you will walk out with purpose in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what what Jesus was modeling. Take a look at Acts chapter 9 and we'll have a look at this in closing. Here Peter is now walking out in the reputation of Jesus. He, He comes in Acts chapter 9 and verse 32 Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place and he came down to visit the believers. What's a believer? Are you a believer? What's a believer? A believer is not just somebody who says, I believe in Jesus. A believer isn't somebody who's got their, their color of underlining, color coordinated with their ribbons in their Bible. No, a believer is more than that. And so here he comes together with a bunch of believers, people who believe what their reputation is, people who believe what the Word of God says about them. And there he met a man named Ana- Anais, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight days. What was his re- reputation? Shame, the paralyzed guy. Shame, the bedridden guy. Shame, that, th- that guy who was ill. That was the reputation that Peter came to tell that man to leave at the bottom of the Jordan. That was the reputation that Peter came to tell that man to put down so he could pick up the new reputation, the healed reputation. And Peter said to him, have a look. And as Jesus Christ heals who? You. You see, Jesus, just like you and I, had to surrender himself, And receive the reputation of God the Father into his heart himself before the situation he found himself could be healed. Have a look then. So Peter then says, Jesus heals you. Then have a look. He says, now that you are healed, now your situation will change. He says to Ananias, get up and roll up your sleeping mat. Jesus fixes you before he fixes the situation. Jesus heals you before he fixes your circumstance. Jesus changes your reputation. He embeds his word into you before you can embed his word into your situation. It's got to be deep within you. The old man left at the bottom of the Jordan, the new man standing up knowing who he is in God. And then watch as your circumstance and your situation and your desert experience becomes a victory. Have a look. Well, it says in verse 34 there, and it says, and Anais was healed instantly. Have a look next. Then the whole population of Lida and Sharon saw Anais walking around them and they turned to the Lord. When you receive your reputation from the Lord and begin believing it and Jesus changes you, your circumstances will change. Your circumstances changing will bear testimony to whose name in which you walk and when you bear testimony to whose name in which you walk, watch your city change, watch your state change, watch your province change, watch your country change, and watch the world change. Jesus heals you so that your circumstances can be healed, so that the world can find hope. When you walk your reputation, when you walk out the fact that you are the beloved in whom God is well pleased, And that you cause God great joy. Watch your circumstance change. Watch your surrounds change. And watch people all over the world change. Because of who you are in Christ. Your reputation. Not the world's. Your reputation given to you by Jesus Christ. Not the banker. No, the most high God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are our God and there is no other. You are ama- we are amazed by who you are and by what you call us. We thank you that we can come to the table. We thank you that we can receive these elements now as, repu- as reputational shifts. We can-, we can receive the name of Jesus through his body and his blood and know that we receive not just his body and blood, but we receive his name, his reputation, and all the promises that God makes about him. Father, thank you that you have called us beloved. Thank you for telling us that you are pleased with us. Thank you for telling us that you get great joy from watching us walk out your reputation in this broken but healing world because of who we are in you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, it is a communion service and we just prayed over those elements. And those elements are simple representations of the name of Jesus, His body and His blood, what He did. His reputation was that He loved us so much that He came to teach us how the Father feels about us. He gave up His body and He shed His blood to make sure that today you could figure out that you are loved, that you are the Beloved that you please God and you bring Him great joy. So why don't you grab, as Misty says, even a stick of gum and some coffee, that's okay. Whatever you've got to symbolize something that Jesus represents, uh, uh, the the body, a piece of bread, some water. uh, I've got a a cracker and some juice. But this is Jesus' body that was broken for you so that you could have life. He gave you the promise that you have a reputation of having eternal life. Jesus' body, broken for you. Wow. Just by taking in that symbol, I say I receive the reputation of life. I I drink of this cup knowing that Jesus' word wasn't second rate. I drink of this cup knowing that His promise was sure. His word was true. His covenant was real. He's not gonna leave me in the lurch. And so this is Jesus' blood that was shed so that you would know he meant what he said and his word was to be trusted. Jesus' body and his blood means that you can walk out that reputation. He came to remind you in whose image you were made. He came to remind you in whose reputation you walk and whose name you carry he came to remind you that you could be guided by the Holy Spirit walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and achieve all things he came to remind you that he wants you to walk out in a life of abundance He wants you to be known as the healer because you're the son of the healer. He wants you to be known as the one who has abundance because you are the son of abundance. He wants you to be known as somebody who loves his enemies extravagantly because you were given love extravagantly. He wants you to know that your reputation, your name, your promise is the one that he has given you. I hope and I pray that in some way this message has affected how you see who you are. You have a reputation from the Most High God. And if you want us to journey with you, we have a whole lot of material we'd like to send you in taking the next steps in walking out your divine reputation. In fact, we have just completed a series with Pastor Dwayne that if you haven't heard, you should hear at how you can readjust who you are and what your reputation should be. Your name, your reputation is not what you do, but it's what Christ has done in you. And so if you'd like to receive some of those resources, there's a banner up right now that says, I raised my hand. If you received Jesus or you understood Jesus for the first time today and you got it, you said, yes, I want the name of Jesus in my life. I I want to walk out His reputation in my life. What I've been doing hasn't worked and my reputation is broken. Well, then that link is for you. Click on that link. And let us send you some resources. We'd love to know you. That banner is for you. Click on that banner right now. If you've been walking with Jesus, but your reputation has slid a little and your, and your momentum in who you are has dropped off a little bit, that banner is for you too. Just let us know and we will send you some resources to help you and build you. Thank you for being with us this day. Thank you for being us with us during the week. We love you and we look forward to seeing you this weekend as we begin a brand new series that is entitled Faith, Hope, and Love for our online congregation. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Thank you so very much for joining us.